2: a room upgrade don't wait to make smart financial decisions compare and find smarter credit cards savings accounts and more today at nerdwallet.com reminder credit
0: is subject to lender approval and terms apply NerdWallet, finance smarter
2: our kids have said to us since we've moved to minnesota we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived
0: This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam so welcome to the show. Hey, yo, yo. <laughs> hey, everyone. Today on the podcast is Titus Burgess. He's an actor and singer who's somehow equally brilliant at both acting and singing. He's performed on Broadway and beyond, in shows like Good Vibrations, Guys and Dolls, The Little Mermaid, Jesus Christ Superstar, Into the Woods. I first discovered Titus on 30 Rock, where he played a hairdresser named DeFuan. After only four episodes, his co-star, Alec Baldwin, called him one of the best scene partners I've ever had. Baldwin insisted to the producers to give Titus a spin-off show. Five years later, they did. It was called Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Here's a clip from the program.
2: Hey, Titus. Want to take a free career test? No, thank you. I took one of those in high school and it told me to become a mannequin.
1: Wow. That would be a good job for you because you get so still when you're angry.
0: Oh, no. Are you angry right now?
2: Yes, I'm angry right now. Last night, I saw Mikey going into his apartment with another man. Really? Well, that doesn't necessarily mean... He's cheating on me, Kim Kibo. They were laughing and touching arms. and Worst of all, you're going to need to sit down for this. I know you're sitting. Sit again. Mikey was wearing a date night outfit he wore on our first date. Oh. Are you sure the other guy was gay? Everybody's gay, Kimmy. It's the 90s.
0: For his role on Kimmy Schmidt, which recently ended after four seasons in 2018, Titus received four Emmy nominations. His latest Emmy nomination comes from a new film, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy vs. The Reverend. The movie closes out the series after five years. You can watch all things Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix now. But today, I wanted to sit with Titus because... Energetically, he struck me as someone good for this moment. Funny, compassionate, honest, vulnerable. He's a man who's lived and thrived, despite some very real obstacles, as you're about to hear. You know, we make this show each week kind of in the dark. By that I mean each conversation really is an act of faith, both on my end and the guest Titus and I did not know one another before this taping we were and to some degree still are strangers but to quote him this is the way I wish we could all see each other and I agree so here is me seeing Titus and Titus seeing me I hope you enjoy Itis. Hello Sam. Nice to meet you.
2: Nice to meet you too.
0: I want to know how are you?
2: I'm doing quite well. I thrive in isolation. I'm an only child. <laughs> 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 so I'm not having the time that some people are having. It's hard a time adjusting to, you know, having to shrink uh, how social one might need to be in order to be energized and to keep their wits about them and I've I even feel busier than I was before the mandate to quarantine but I'm
0: good being an only child I wondered if you had thought about your childhood in this time because your grandparents had this house off the highway it was a quiet rural place and I know your grandmother was everything to you and you had these long sort of summers with her. Have you thought about those summers in this unbearably long summer?
2: Maybe a week or so ago, we had a huge thunderstorm here in Jersey or on the East coast. Um, And I had this gazebo in the back of the house and uh, surrounded by trees. And I sat out there in the middle of the storm for about four hours getting pummeled by the wind and the water. And I lived my best uh, adolescent uh, life. Uh, My grandparents had a wraparound uh, porch and uh, a tin roof. And so whenever it would thunder, first of all, it sounded, you can't imagine. It sounds amazing. And it's hypnotic. and. puts you right to sleep. But we would, my cousins and I would sit out there uh, under quilts that my grandmother had sewn together, which those were, you know, not the best things to use because she had put so much time into it and they we were getting wet. But we would sit out on the front porch and watch uh, the, the storm descend upon us and ultimately pass us by. And many times in my adult life, I get visited by her, if you will, in in various situations, or I summon her, and it, it felt sort of like I was a kid again. And we talked, and I remember saying to her, uh, "I'm so glad that she's not here for this, although I wish she was here for this, for me." Or I don't know if anyone fully bounces back from the loss of a loved one, but it wasn't just the connection that we had, but her her presence sort of anchored me and invigorated me all at once. I thought she was the most fascinating human being. And, uh, and she was a woman of very few words. It wasn't like we'd ever had these long conversations where I would, you know, spill my soul to her and she would help me through my problems. It was just, she had this calming effect and, Uh, in her presence, I knew that everything was going to be all right. And I need that energy. Uh, And I, you know, in thinking about her and sitting out there in the gazebo while it was storming or whatever, it kind of felt momentarily, even in the middle of of, of this uh, chaos that was this weather system, I I somehow felt like everything was going to be all right. I don't know how else to describe it.
0: It's two-pronged because you want her back but also what would you be bringing her back into
2: yeah 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 i yeah i'd be so worried and full of paranoia and you know nervous about protecting her her health and, and you know i would hate her to see the way the world is behaving right now
0: what have you been thinking about in the last few months as we're spending time in isolation, trying to reconcile with these bigger forces that just seem bigger than acting. They seem bigger than writing. They seem bigger than doing a podcast. They feel larger than us.
2: When Oprah Winfrey went off the air, I found myself sobbing uncontrollably because for every single day at 4 p.m., I knew that whether I was engaged in the, the program, or if it was in secondary focus, and I just had it on. The sound of her voice meant that all was right in the world, and, and that there would be thoughtful conversation meant for the good of humanity. No matter what you think of her, you know, what you think of her politics, what you think of her, how she acquired uh, her wealth for, My purposes for, for, you know, as far as uh, I'm concerned, growing up listening to, you know, her um, interviews and how she treated her guests and, and so on and so forth, really sort of set the tone for kind of how I thought people should be spoken to and how they should be treated. And then when she introduced us to Barack Obama... I thought, oh, well, he clearly shares her belief system in terms of how people should be treated on Earth and and what we can do to both pull ourselves up our bootstraps and live our best lives and, and help one another do the same thing. And then during his administration, obviously he was gridlocked in many ways, uh, not having the full support of congress so many of the things that he wanted to do he could not do this isn't so much about law and and legislation being pushed through or not but there's something to, to be said for how you relate or speak to a country that looks to you as its leader and there's something to be said about at the very least trying even if it's all smoke and mirrors The reason that the lights are not out in Manhattan right now with all those empty buildings or whatever, because it would look so ominous and people would lose their minds. It would look crazy. You understand? It it would look um, like there is no hope. There is no, literally no light. And I remember thinking when I was driving through at the top of Courtney, I was like, oh, thank God that, you know, we're keeping... Something on to remind us that there is some light at the end of the tunnel, and right now, I don't know what to think. These are unprecedented times this these stunts with locking up mailboxes and fully on fully like removing them and and, and dangling uh, uh, you know the suspension of aid to parts of the country that need them most to coerce or threaten them with these, withholding these things to, for political gains. Like, I, I just, um, it makes me very sad. It makes me, I hate using the word helpless or, but as you said at the top of the question, uh, these forces that not only uh, seem larger than what we do on a day to day, but it just seems so much larger than anything that we seem to be able to get a hold on or a hold of. And I don't know how we arrived at that. And I don't know how we've found ourselves in a moment in history where it seems uh, so much harder to to fight back or to, to just to fight. But I'm not, I'm not without hope. But every day I have to remind myself that it's a marathon and not a sprint.
0: I was never good at long distance running, so... <laughs> Where have you been finding value in your work? I mean, do you think it still is valuable?
2: Absolutely. I'll tell you what. When at first, when this whole first, uh, the, the, the virus and, and the quarantining and ramping up towards the election and all of this stuff, I mean, the protests, Black Lives Matter, when all those things sort of came to a head um, and seemed to merge together in the strangest way, I felt a little silly uh, promoting a song or promoting a TV show, even getting on Instagram to offer up any zaniness that I would normally do to help people find something lighter during their day felt I'd never want to appear uh, self-indulgent or Tone deaf. But then I thought to myself, well, political commentators, doctors, nurses, they're not on Instagram putting together skits. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is, well, some of them are. Uh,
0: By the way, would love to see CNN (laughs) commentators. (laughs) Dr. Fauci try to do a sketch. How strange would that be?
2: It would be so strange. It would be so strange. And and once I thought about it that way, and of course, you know, sort of revisiting artists who called other artists' attention to themselves, which was to say to them, uh, particularly Nina Simone, that this this is the these are the times that you know artists must come together and, and their uh, art must reflect, their art must reflect the times. An artist's duty, as far as I'm concerned, is to reflect the times. I think that is true of, of, of painters, sculptors, poets, musicians, I, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's their choice. But I choose to reflect the times and the situations in which I find myself. That, to me, is my duty. And and at this crucial time in our lives, when everything is so desperate, when every day is a matter of survival, I don't think you can help but be involved. Young people, black and white, know this. That's why they're so involved in politics. We will shape and mold this country, or it will not be molded and shaped at all anymore. So I don't think you have a choice. How can you be an artist and not reflect the time? And I thought, lean into, lean into it. To ignore it would be to Plead ignorance, and we have enough of that. And these times are so extraordinary. There's natural, built-in humor into it. So there's a way to um, lure people out of darkness, but you don't have to ignore the fact ignore the fact that it's dark. With each uh, project that would come out, or each performance, and with the response that I would get back, it, it occurred to me more. I need to do more of this, and and what Emerged. what bubbled up was, oh, Titus, uh, this isn't about you. And and I have always believed that it never has been, but now more than ever, I realized, no, 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 no. This is all of your many wonderful gifts and all the things that you were given naturally that you just innately know how to do. This is the time to unleash it and give of yourself as freely as you possibly can to uh, relieve some of the emotional strain that people feel, even if it's uh, temporarily. So the work that we do, your podcasts, all of it, it absolutely has value. What else are we going to do?
0: There's nothing else. There's not nothing gonna, else. Oh, it's the, some people are like, I'm going to exercise. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> get, get away from me. Get I do miss playing basketball, me. but that's not going to happen. You said once that seeing you on screen, it is inherently a political Act. There is politic to you being a black gay man on screen. What does that mean to you right now?
2: I'm no Sidney Poitier, but, you know, watching him in uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, again, circling even back to the site of Barack Obama accepting the Democratic uh, uh, nomination all those years ago, I didn't realize until I saw him that I hadn't adhered to the glass ceiling. I hadn't thought beyond that. I hadn't deigned beyond that. I hadn't dared beyond that. My ambition was quelled. It wasn't that I thought I could only go so far, but sometimes it's hard for people to dream when they have no past points of references or no future points of references uh, for that matter. And given America's relationship to black men and the sordid, vile nature with which it treats us systematically. Uh, And given the vile nature that this country has had with the LGBTQ community, the uh, culture of religion, I cross on the intersection of
0: yeah, three or four the different Venn diagram top. is really... <laughs> yeah.
2: So, I mean, it's, I'm as political as it gets. And my very existence on paper would say that all of these organizations are by and large not designed for me to succeed.
0: When you're a child and you're not regularly seeing versions of yourself on screen, was there a moment despite that fact, where performing made sense to you?
2: I don't know when my grandmother decided, or if she ever decided, oh, I'm good at grandmothering. But what I know she saw was how her presence had sway on our emotions. I think when I open my mouth and when I make a concentrated, concerted effort to speak to the heart of you, to speak to your very soul. And it sounds like, you know, I'm describing like i got some sort of superpower, but this is something that we can all do. Um, Mind just manifested in the way of music. Um, I realized that what was most important to me was communication. And I realized that one way I was able to communicate uh, was through music, and I realized that once I had completed whatever my task was uh, via melody, most of the time, the response that I would get would be suggestive uh, that people felt transformed. And being an overweight child for most of my life and young adult life. And being black, gay, and Christian, and growing up in the South, <laughs> and not having a place where uh, I could find identity or find anyone in my likeness. I was without a way to, to hook into the world. Um, and once I realized that people responded to me and that they, for the three or four minutes that I was up there, seeing my little heart out, I was on earth. And I existed. That's the best I can do.
1: (laughs) He
0: says, after delivering a five-minute eloquent monologue, (laughs) that's the best I can do. (laughs) Oh, really? That's the best? You have funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'd give that uh, A- an A. There's this ongoing confusion around you that I want to absolutely dispel. Okay. Uh, which is that that the, there seems to be two Tituses.
2: Oh dear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was a good joke. Keep
2: going. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, I I got to go. I'll see you later. Really. It's been really it's been really <laughs> You know, you know, I'll actually I'll just fax you the rest of this interview from behind <laughs> Um, (laughs) so I think what's important for people to understand and really the point of this show is to unpack how one gets to a place. And I wanted to go to the end of your run on 30 Rock. You did four episodes in 2011, 2012, I believe.
2: 2008, I got cast in Guys and Dolls on Broadway. I don't know, what was brewing in me but i felt i was miserable i did not enjoy that time
0: can i quote you from that period oh please you said i learned more about performing and producing than at any other time but i think i went as far in that industry as i was going to be allowed to go if i can be perfectly honest there was what i call the big black woman that stopped the show syndrome that is to say the character that the show is not about comes in razzle-dazzle and then disappears and we don't hear from them or see them ever again.
2: Absolutely. That time sort of uh, culminated uh, and it ballooned um, into me considering some other career. I had to do something else. I, I, I had only moved to New York to do theater. I wanted to be a Broadway star. That was, again, as far as I had dreamed. That was the extent of my ambition. It wasn't that I didn't want more. I didn't know how to want more. I remember going to my agents and I was like, oh, I want to, I think I want to be on TV maybe. Let me, and I had no television credits uh, uh, of note. Cut to them securing uh, an audition for me to have what's called an, uh, an under five. I was living on Forty seventh Street between Eighth and Ninth, in Hell's Kitchen, and uh, I woke up that morning, and I wasn't I wasn't quite all there. And she, my I called my agent or my manager, and I was like, "Are we able to move this audition or whatever?" And, and also to that end, I, I didn't know what an under five was, and my my audition was, I had one line, and I thought I don't know what the hell to do with, what am I going to do with one line like. You know, how do I strut my stuff um, when I literally only have a subject and a predicate? <laughs> uh, you know, like, that's all I get to, <laughs> to use out of the English language. And so she makes me a rally. She goes, you got to rally. You got to do this. Go, go do it. So I, I get there to 30 Rockefeller uh, Plaza. I had never been before, before that. Never been to a tree-lighting ceremony ever, ever, ever. It's massive. Didn't realize you had to go through security. All these things. Well... I'm on my way up and I see a theater colleague of mine who does not see me, so I follow her and I figure out where to go get my security badge. And then I keep following her and I figure out the elevator and the numbering system, uh, you know, which elevators go to to whatever floor. I get up to my audition. Finally, I'm an hour and a half late and they are an hour and a half behind. So I was on time, but late. And I go in there, I say the line, she laughs. By the time I get back down to the ground floor, walking out of the building, my manager calls and says, I I have the job. So literally in that short amount of time it was confirmed. Well, I'm thinking, okay, great. I get to set uh, a few days later and I'm praying that someone else uh, uh, has their coverage first, didn't know what that meant. And there's a stack of papers that looked like they were cut from a script, didn't know they were referred to sides. like, what I tell you, dude, I did not know. I did not know. And, of course, I was the first thing to film anything. And my big old scene was with Tina Fey and Sherry Shepard. And they're pros, and... uh I was delighted, but man, was I intimidated! And I don't, I don't get intimidated. But th- that was—I wanted to do such a good job, um, and I didn't know who to speak to to sort of ask for help when they were—we would be blocking or marking or whatever it w- was. I, I was taking it literally because in theater, they, those things mean completely different terms; they mean different things. So my last day of 30 Rock, Alec Baldwin puts his hand around me and he goes, what are you guys waiting on? You got to give this man a, a spinoff. Uh, and he turns to me and says, Titus, you are one of the best singing partners I've ever had. Thank you for, for joining us. In that time, from Guys and Dolls to the end of 30 Rock, I had been fervently praying for purpose. Having purpose is such a privilege and there are so many people, so many souls, which I honestly, I think is a direct reflection of why we mistreat each other uh, so vehemently here on Earth. Because so many people either a, have nothing to wake up for or or we've not allowed them space and opportunity to to dream, to to uh, let their ambition uh Thrive, um, you know. If if you don't see anything that looks like you, you don't know that it can happen. And and I, I could go all the way down a very long rabbit hole about this, but I, I think purpose is is um, very important. Um, and so the absence of it creates bullies. Great. So I was praying for purpose, and I got home that day, and I got on my knees, Forty Seventh Street, Twenty Eighth Ninth, and, and I prayed, and I was like, Goddess, I. I think I now know uh, of yet another gift you have given me, um, and I would like to make greater use of it. Uh, And if I'm allowed, I will do this, this, and this, and this, and this with it. But I was very specific. I said, I would love to work with the caliber of talent that I had just had the great fortune of working with. I want the energy to be the same, and I want the writing to be the same. Those are my exact words. I got evicted shortly afterwards because the rent increased and I had no job. I moved to Harlem. Uh, cut to five years later, my manager texted me. She goes, "Have you? Uh, when was the last time you spoke to Tina Fey? And I was like, well, when I was last on on 30 Rock. Uh, she goes, well, either you're gonna get a job or this is a cruel joke. And she sent me the screenshot of the breakdown of Titus and Drummond. Uh, for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and it said, seeking the role of Titus, a down-of-his-luck actor, living in a basement apartment, delusional, uh, uh, has dreams of grandeur, something to that nature. I was living in a basement apartment in Harlem and couldn't get a job in theater. I was like, this is just uncanny. Like, you gotta be kidding me. Well, cut to me getting the job I get a call from uh, the AD or, or one of the PAs and they said tomorrow report to 52nd and 9th and someone will walk you to your trailer and say in my hand to God, my trailer was right outside the apartment where I got evicted praying for this job. It was on 47th Street between 8th and 9th. I could have literally
0: walked out of the door and into my trailer. What did you make of that?
2: It's, it's beyond be careful what you wish for, you just might get it. And it it's so much more than that. It was confirmation of a belief system that I've always had, which is prayer without works is dead. While I was praying for these things, uh, while I was meditating on these things, while I was astro-projecting these things, like moving into the future, I saw myself there. I was also still teaching and taking class and... Trying to hold it down um, so that, uh, you know, preparation means opportunity. And then, then there you go. It's time to go to work. But it was sort of a, a little wink from goddess, from the universe. A little a little nod to say, I heard you. Not only did I hear you, I saw you. Not only did I see you, I'm going to give you beyond what you have just asked for. Um, so that I now understood there was a, a bond, there was a relationship there, and that I, I shouldn't lose sight of the goal, I shouldn't shy away from uh, the ask, and I should be as specific as my heart can, or the, as my mind can can conceive of being, and divorce myself from the outcome, and then at some point, it all comes Back to me in this beautiful bouquet of of something that it's it's vibrational uh, equivalent.
0: What do you do between twenty eleven and twenty fifteen to not lose sight of that goal? How did you know that it was going to come back to you?
2: I didn't know, and I, and and I want to be very clear about that. Faith waivers. It just is how we, it just is who we are. Whatever you believe in. What do you believe? Your, your food is going to get to you on time after you've ordered it on Grubhub or not? Like, faith waivers.
0: <laughs> that should be the, uh, the ad for Grubhub. Look, faith waivers. We may get there on time. I don't. We don't know, but have faith in us. Sometimes we will be there on time.
2: Oh, God, that's hilarious. But it does. And there's what? Faith, there's hope. There's dreaming. There's all of these things. I had to develop a relationship with these things and to these things. I had to understand that that wavering faith didn't mean that I had lost hope or that losing hope did mean that I still had a little faith. They are not inextricably tied to one another, and they won't all be there in full force at all times. But if you can keep one of them in sight, while the other ones are big misfits, then eventually you find your way back to your lifeline. And I had several lifelines. I, I had art. While it wasn't a global pandemic, it was a dark time in my life, um, and I needed uh, inspiration. You know, I needed, You know, and what if, what if other artists who knew me personally decided, oh, let's not have a cabaret right now or release an album because Titus doesn't have the money to do one? Like that's that's the wrong idea. Like now more than ever, show that it is possible. All things are possible, uh, and use what you got. That's what my grandmom did. She, we didn't. Ha- they weren't rich. My mom, single parent. We would share meals together. Uh, my, my grandmother would, would uh, go. We'd have this huge garden, and she'd go and she'd can things or whatever, and it would last. Through, throughout the year, you make use of the resources that you have and you spread it uh, as far as it will will spread. I mean, we could have all hung our heads and been sad that we, you know, couldn't go to Outback Steakhouse or whatever the hell uh, the chain you know was there. It didn't have the money to go do those things, but that's not who they were. And subsequently, that's not how I turned out. I mean, it's the space in between that's also as important as actually getting to the other side of the thing you've been asking for.
0: Use what you got feels like a mantra for you.
2: I don't even have to recall that. That's not something that I have to remind myself uh, to do. In fact, anyone who works with me or for me or around me will tell you I am not a person that needs coddling or special treatment or any of those things because I'm so used to doing it for myself. Um, I'm so used to, uh, well, of course I not. An assistant who does everything
0: for me, but in terms of the macro, Jared, Jared, Jared. <laughs> hey, can you finish this interview, Jared? I'm I'm done with him. I really. We gotta.
2: <laughs> oh, this is funny. Okay, but um, the point is, I'm so used to. I
0: don't mean to undercut um, you
2: assisting myself. No, no, no. It's funny. It's funny. Um, and it's, it's funny. Um, but yeah, so I'm, you know, I and being an only child and having to, to entertain oneself and, and become an adult long before uh, it was time for you to adult, you learn a thing or two about how to keep a household together. Like it was, my mom was depending on me for things that, you know, I you would depend on an older brother or or a husband
0: to do. You are a freshman in college. Uh, Your friend had recently died in a car crash. Your mother says we need to have a talk. She tells you that your grandmother, who we've been talking about a lot in this interview, has Alzheimer's. And she says to you, is there anything else you'd like to tell me? And in turn, you open up to her about your sexuality. And her response to this, and it's what I wanted to ask you about, she says, let's go and make dinner. And you were making chicken that night. And Titus, we are strangers, but I just want to know, do you remember making that chicken?
2: I remember that my mother had done what she's always done and what she continues to do, which is... (sighs) I don't have kids, but... I believe that you can only parent as far as your past point of reference has taught you to do. Uh, And in my family, uh, I was the first many things. And so there wasn't always vocabulary words or, or the emotional vocabulary to have a proper conversation about the subject at hand. And that was the best, or that was the only way she knew how to say, I don't understand. Let's go do something I understand, but I'm asking you to come do it with me because even though I don't understand, it doesn't mean that I don't want you near, that I still love you. And that scenario... Has continued to play out and replay and replay, even as recent as last night.
0: What happened? Oof.
2: <laughs> well, uh, she's con- she was concerned about my appearance. <laughs> undergone a procedure and have lost a lot of weight uh, and uh, she couldn't wrap her head around how I looked but it dissolved into this sort of strange soup of don't forget who you are and remember yourself and a bunch of a bunch of uh, fragments that have nothing to do with me. But more speaks to what I said to her in a text, which was, Mom, I'm a very brave man, and I will do whatever it takes at all costs and have done whatever it's taken to uh, make myself happy. I'm not just a survivor. I'm a thriver. And whether it's making an elaborate meal for friends out of, spaghetti and, and, and uh, that I bought at the 99-cent store, I'm going to do it elaborately, and we're going to thrive inside that lack. She is not someone who f- has felt uh, the call or the, or the liberty to take such risks because her life has been, I have to take care of my son. I have to work a job that I largely did not want to work. Um, and there wasn't a lot of space for her to have purpose. I was her purpose. And when your purpose grows up, starts walking and talking and having consciousness and opinions and begins to live beyond what you've been able to dream for your child. It is terrifying, I can imagine. But as a result, uh, it, and this is, this is such a much larger conversation, but uh, what I had to ultimately explain to her was her concern were rather uh, fragments of vocabulary and all the things that she was using to describe her concern was in fact not concern, but projections. I was like, these are things that you... Wouldn't have the things that you wouldn't dare to do uh, in your own life. And so as a result, uh, I think you are afraid for me to do them. Um, But that's not concern. That's that's projection. And that's a conversation she and I have to sort out further so that she can get back to uh, paying attention to her own wants uh, and, and more fully realizing them without making me the star of it.
0: On the subject of your happiness and what you want, I want to play something for you. This is what you said you wanted back in 2016.
2: I have people who love me very dearly. Two dogs, Hans and Micah. Um... And I have some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, friends. Um, And a relationship that I'm working on. But I think I've been searching for the the feeling that I had when I was a kid. And I don't think I'm ever going to find it. I think it's gone. And that's not so much sad. As it is a call for me to maximize what has become my chosen family. Wow.
0: The line that really struck me was I've been searching for the feeling that I had as a kid. What is that feeling? I I remember
2: while I was forever searching in my youth for signs of who I am and who I was supposed to be, I was never, I never felt unsafe. There was safety in the search. There was obviously my grandmother, my mom, my family. But in my trial and error, Uh, if I didn't land on the solution or find the thing because I didn't, you know, find the music thing until eight, nine, ten. But in my early, like, formative years, that feeling of love was all around me, to the left, to the right, in front of me, behind me, underneath me, and on top of me. Um, And I think what I'm... What I just heard um, that, that layer of protection, I don't, I don't know that I f- feel. And I think if I were to make an amendment to the end of that statement, where I said it's a call for me to maximize my chosen family, I think it's a call to me to maximize uh, the part of me that can cover myself. That I can, I can give, I can give myself that feeling that I just described. And I don't know that I felt equipped to be able to do that. I know that I do that for others. I know that I, I do that for others and don't even think twice about it. Uh, But something was preventing me from feeling like I was worthy uh, or deserving of that extension of Endless, boundless love, uh, and uh, freedom to to get so royally fucked up that uh, way too hard on myself. There's a song that Candor uh, and Ebb wrote uh, from the musical Chicago called "I Am My Own Best Friend," and it perfectly sums up. What I now know and feel about myself and that looking outside of me will no longer be the solution. And just as I had to go to the gazebo and summon from within that feeling of safety that I felt sitting on my grandmother's porch with my cousins while it rained. That is something I can find anytime, all day, every day in my solitude.
0: As you walked into that gazebo and the rain was pouring down on you and you thought of your grandmother I wondered if you thought about being in the kitchen with her uh, washing dishes together you two would sing this song that if you're open to it I was going to play some of right now
2: please by all means you are please Took me back, um, say so we took my breath away. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm not respond to that. That is what we would sing though, and and I will say that's so funny. I completely forgot that. I mean, I knew that that's a song that we sang, but sitting in the gazebo during a storm. Uh, And I do feel like the storm is passing over, but not the one that people are thinking about. But that feeling of unsettledness, the storm of not feeling found, the storm where I couldn't find myself, I think that is absolutely passing over. I'm so glad you played that.
0: Thank you. As, as hard as this moment is, if this conversation is any indication for yourself, I do see some light at the end of this for you. I do. We're strangers. Maybe it doesn't mean much.
2: No, it means a lot.
0: <clears throat> this is the way I wish we could all see each other. Why do we have to know each
1: other to know what other human beings are in need of or to be able to glean or hope
2: for on behalf of another human being?
0: Titus Burgess, be well.
2: You too, Sam.
0: That's our show. Special thanks this week to Alla Plotkin and Jared Brewer. I'd also like to thank Anna Sale and Katie Bishop of Death, Sex, and Money. I'd encourage you to seek out Titus's episode on their program from 2016. That piece of audio you heard at the end of today's episode came from their program. So do check their wonderful show out. And speaking of, much love to Titus Burgess. All four seasons of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt are available to stream on Netflix. To learn more about Titus and his work, visit our show notes at www.talkeasypod.com. If you're looking for more conversations of this kind, I'd recommend listening to our talks with Fran Lebowitz, Jenny Slate, Run the Jewels, Hassan Minaj, Ted Danson, Juliette Lewis, Elizabeth Gilbert, and many, many more. You can find each of those episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you do your listening. If you'd like to join our email list, drop me a line at talkeasypod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at talkeasypod. And as I always say, this show would not be possible without our incredible, inimitable team. Our executive producer is Janik Bravo. Our associate producer is Nikki Spina. Our lead editor is Andre Lin. Our assistant editors are Eli Weiss, David Harding, and Rita Zhang. Our music is by Dylan Peck. Our interns are Kiran Aftab and Patrice Lee. Illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. Graphics by Ian Jones. And finally, the show is produced by Caroline Reebok. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. We'll be dropping a bonus episode with photographer Tyler Mitchell this Wednesday, and then, on Sunday, Miss Carol Burnett. Until then, stay safe, everyone. So long.
2: slash iHeart.